Bienvenido a Kaiser Permanente. El doctor ya te puede ver. Verá que aunque eres muy activo, ahora te cansas más rápido de lo normal. Verá que a menudo almuerzas comida rápida. Verá que pones a tu familia primero y tu salud tiende a caer en segundo o tercer lugar. Y claro que verá que tienes el azúcar alto, igual que tu papá. En Kaiser Permanente trabajamos juntos para ver todo lo que tú eres y darte el cuidado que tú mereces. Kaiser Permanente, para todo lo que tú eres. Leftovers. Or. The DMV. Or. House cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talon Ball is going to go for a touchdown. The game's over. Lobster Slaughter. Hello Cleveland, welcome to another episode of the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Jokey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jack McCurry of the North Coast Sports. How are you doing today, Jack? I'm doing well, man. Uh, even though I got to work this weekend, it, it's Friday, which means the weekend's obviously here, and we are getting closer to another edition of the Brown Steelers rivalry. Yep, it's Pittsburgh week, and we're here to break that game down for you this Sunday. Uh, but first, we have quite a bit of uh, Browns news storylines to go through, so we're going to pull right through these, and then we'll get to uh, the game preview in a little bit. But first off, uh, Baker Mayfield has won the NFL Rookie of the Week uh, for the second time this season. It's the fifth time a Browns player has won Rookie of the Week this year. Uh, you know, I, I've seen some talk over on Twitter uh, this week about you know people complaining about Austin Corbett and, and Chad Thomas not really playing, not really doing much. But when you look at the rest of his draft class, including the, the quarterback, none of that really matters as long as they get the quarterback right. And for, for Dorsey... Uh, to have uh, four guys uh, win the Rookie of the Week this year, uh, you know, Baker winning it twice. What's it say about where this team is headed and where Baker is headed uh, as a quarterback? I mean, it just shows that the future is looking bright for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, when you look at it, we've had Baker win it twice. I think Denzel Ward's won it twice and Nick Chubb. And those are three out of our top four draft picks. I know people are, you know, like you said, complaining about how Corbett's not starting yet or how Chad, Chad Thomas isn't contributing, yet we cut Carl Nassib and he had two sacks against us, against us this past Sunday in the Buccaneers game. But, I mean, like you said, we got the quarterback right. 
it looks like with Baker Mayfield. I mean, he's having his hiccups as a rookie, but he's also making some spectacular plays, whether it's throwing the ball or having a big 35-yard run and getting clocked in the head but getting right back up and uh, talking smack to his opponent. I mean, Baker's been everything and maybe even more than what I've expected for him. Um, And honestly, at this point, I think at the beginning of the season, I didn't expect him to be playing at this point. But the fact that he's out there and he's putting the Browns in a situation to win and he's able to pick up these individual accolades, it's looking really good. And the future is looking bright for not only Baker, but the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I think we said before the season that, you know, if the record was starting to get like it is now, that we would play Baker after the bye week, which is coming up here in a few weeks. And But, you know, he was able to get in there against the Jets, and the rest is history so far. And, you know, it looks like he's done He's done very well. Uh, you know, he's had his rookie mistakes, but that's, that's going to happen with a rookie. But he will continue to learn from those, grow, grow from those, and – you know, hopefully be be the franchise guy. Um, second thing, the referee uh, from the San Diego, San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers game that missed the false start, the blatant false start, uh, which we all remember, was fired this week uh, by the NFL. Now, you know, as Browns fans, we've complained quite a bit this season about the refereeing. What's it say to you about the NFL actually holding these guys accountable and firing uh, an official this week? Well, it's it's a great step. And obviously that false start penalty wasn't the only thing that this guy has messed up on. Um, from what I've read, it's been a continuation of big-time mistakes in games that have you know hurt one team but benefited another. You know, the fact that this is the first time the NFL has fired an official – since um, in the Super Bowl era during the middle of the season, and I think this is also the first season that there's full-time referees, just goes to show that the NFL is watching these officials closely, and you know they're going to hold them accountable, just like NFL teams would hold coaches, executives, or players accountable for you know failed uh, efforts, like what in whatever field they're in. So it's great that the NFL is you know holding these guys accountable. But they also need to make sure that this isn't a continuing thing because obviously you're hiring these refs full time. You don't want to have to go and replace them continuously just because they keep making these uh, mistake after mistake. Do you think, you know, with what we saw last week with the, the head to the head on Baker Mayfield and the explanation uh, that came afterwards, well, what kind of punishment, if any, is going to come down against uh, Hockey League and his crew for that? See, I I think this is his first year as a full-time official or, you know, not the NFL obviously is now paying these guys full-time, but I think this is Sean Hockley's like first year as an actual NFL referee. I think if like this is their first mistake, I would find them or I would suspend them a game. And then obviously with each added mistake, the the penalty gets stiffer to the point where you get fired like the ref from the Chargers game but you know if they're going to make mistakes and it's going to cost them cost teams victories or a chance to win then you know the NFL needs to make them pay by fining them or suspending them like I suggested um uh, just uh rolling through these storylines here you know after the game last Sunday uh Hugh Jackson was talking about how he would um 
you know, get more involved and, and maybe take over the play callings. On Monday, he backtracked from that. And then this um, this week, they asked Todd Haley, who I think holds his press conference every Thursday. Uh, they're allowed to talk to him. Um, you know, he was asked regarding Hugh Jackson's comments and asked if, you know, there's any tension or anything. He said, no, not at all. We're all on the same page. Nothing has changed. As I said before, I don't care what a good idea comes from. Jack, do you buy anything that Haley said there? No, but Haley's a professional, and he handles these situations the right way, unlike our head coach. Um, you know, I'm glad Haley's taking the high road. I'm sure behind the scenes he's not a very happy man. But, um, you know, he came out and acted like he should act, and maybe Hugh Jackson should take notes on how to act towards the media instead of uh, throwing everyone under the bus, per usual. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you know, look, it started – Two years ago, uh, went on more last year, especially with the Sashi Brown stuff. It's continued this year. It's obvious that Hugh does not do a good job handling the media. Um, I would say, besides the coaching on the field, uh, it's another thing that he doesn't do very well. Um, you know, and Hugh Jackson also stated this week he, that he wasn't worried Todd Haley would take his comments about diving into the offense the wrong way, but he was worried about. He was worried about Haley taking what everyone was saying and writing the wrong way. Um, Hugh said that they had talked on Monday. So, you know, Hugh, again, tried to throw the, the media under bus, kind of almost blaming them per se and, you know, that Haley might take uh, the comments that he said after the game on, on Sunday the wrong way. So, you know, it, it's just another situation where, you know, Hugh just can't, get it right when it comes to the media. I mean, I think the only people that he has not thrown under the bus are the fans and Jimmy and D Haslam. So I think he's thrown just about everybody else under the bus. You know, I was coming home from the gym when he made those comments and I'm like, you can't blame the media. It, what you said is, first of all, it's on file, it's on transcript and it's on video I mean, we all heard him say what he said, and he definitely was taking a shot at Todd Haley. So, you know, we didn't – nobody took it out of context. We took exactly what Hugh said, wrote it down, and we've been talking about it ever since. So, you know, Hugh can try to beat around the bush all he wants. He said what he said, and now he's got to face the consequences. You know, you can almost make a case that he did throw the fans under the bus because just before the Chargers game – a few weeks ago, he talked about how the fans need to uh, get in their seats before the game and be loud and create a home field advantage. So you can almost make the argument that he has thrown the fans under the bus. Almost. Yeah, that is a fair point. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, every home game, the fans have been loud. Um, they've cheered loud when we've made when the Browns have made good plays, and they've booed the heck out of players when they're not performing up to the level that we expect them to. Yeah, I, I've been to three games so far this year, and you know, let me tell you something. That, that place is loud. Now, against the Baltimore game, I was kind of surprised how when kickoff came, when kickoff came, uh, it was about 80% full. Now, you know, within about 10 minutes, the, the rest of the place was filled up. So uh, maybe that's what he was talking about. But, you know, look, don't throw the fans under the bus. You're, you're already – Three, 
thirty-six and one, three thirty-five and one, somewhere in that range. And you look, you have no reason to be uh, attacking the fans at all. Um, the Browns this week also signed linebacker Ray Ray Armstrong. Uh, he played college football at Miami. Uh, he was signed by the Rams as an undrafted free agent after the draft. And look, the Browns have had significant injuries to the linebacking core to the defense this season. Uh, you know, obviously the latest being Joe Schobert. Do you expect Ray Ray to contribute at all, or just a, another body uh, as to to rotate in here? Probably just another body until it's. Uh, if he if he gets an opportunity and he makes the most of that opportunity, we'll probably see him on special teams. I mean, but uh, if you listen to a, one of the other podcasts, Locked On Browns, Benjamin Albright was on with our buddy Jeff Lloyd, and he mentioned that the Browns um, were looking for more athleticism at the linebacker position, and Armstrong fits that perfectly. I mean, he he is a freak athlete at the position. He has been bounced around the NFL since being undrafted back in 2013. Um, but yeah, I mean, he made a somewhat of a little impact for the giants earlier in the season. They put him on IR and then cut him. Um, but uh, we'll see what he can do. I mean, if he can help on special teams, it's really needed. Cause um, up until a couple of weeks ago, the special teams unit was awful, but they seemed to turn the corner, which Hugh Jackson took credit for on Monday's uh, press conference. He said that no one, no, no one's given him praise for that, but whatever. Um, you know, continuing about the linebackers, as I mentioned, Joe Schobert's going to be out this week. Uh, Higgins is also going to be out, and also EJ Gaines is out against Pittsburgh. You know, when you look at these three guys, um, you know, we expect Schobert to be out for a little bit, but the the other two are uh, should be back relatively soon. But how much are is it going to hurt the Browns with these guys being out this week? Uh, it's definitely going to hurt. I think Gaines will probably be, out of those three, I think he would probably be the one we miss the most just because we're going up against two great wide receivers. Um, obviously, Schobert's the leader of that defense, and he's been on a Pro Bowl level going back to last year. Um, you know, Hopefully, he's back soon. Gaines worries me because this is the second straight week out with a concussion. Um, Higgins, obviously, is missed in the offense, but... You know, like I said, gains will be missed the most just because we're going up against two great wide receivers this week. Uh, just one more piece of, of linebacker news. Um, you know, we've talked about how the NFL trade deadline is coming up here soon uh, at the beginning of next week. And teams have been calling the Browns about the avail- availability of Jamie Collins. Now, the Browns, according to Ian Rappaport, are not going to actively shot Collins, but if they – you know, get an offer that they see fit for him. You know, they might they might move him now. With the way things are already thin at linebacker for the Browns, uh, Jack, do you see moving Jamie Collins to be a good move because they can get out of his contract at the end of the season and maybe get a little bit something for him? Yeah, I mean, if they can get a mid round pick for him, like a fourth or fifth round pick, I think the Browns would be enticed to make a deal. Um, they are thin at linebacker right now, so I think it would be a tough decision. But, I mean, as you've seen, Collins has not been what we thought he was going to be when we got him from New England two years ago. I mean, yeah, he racks up a lot of tackles, but he's not the top 10 linebacker he was at New England. Um, 
at times he looks really lazy on the field. I think we've all seen it, you know, just jogging on the field when you have a chance to go make a play and blow up a big run or a pass. Obviously, he had an interception last week, but uh, you should know, not a big fan of Collins, and we should know that, you know, the relationship between Browns and Collins has been, you know, heading towards the end. Obviously, our buddy from the OBR, Jared Mueller, told us that during training camp, and, you know, it was at a point where, he was discussed um, in the Khalil Mack trade talks about compensation going back to Oakland. So if the Browns can get anything for Collins would be great, but I would not be expecting him to be dealt by Tuesday just because of the linebacker depth at the moment. Um, After the season, do you expect the Browns to move on from that contract or is there any way that they actually keep him and give him, I think it's the three years remaining on his deal. I think they move on. I think they can save nine and a half million dollars cutting him. And most of the guaranteed money is, and actually I think all the guaranteed money in his contract is off the books after this year. So um, I think the Browns move on. Obviously Collins is reaching 30. He'll be 30 at um, this time next year. So I think the Browns will look for better options at that linebacker position after this year. All right, let's move on to our actual game preview against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, obviously, in week one, they tied the Steelers 21-21. to uh, Thank you, Zane Gonzalez. Uh, but, you know, this game, uh, I think the, the expectations are a little bit lowered based on the, the recent play for the Browns. Now, obviously, they're going into Pittsburgh as, as an underdog. Um, you know, this game is, is very for the Browns because when you look at the uh, head coach talks talks over the last couple of weeks some about Hugh being on the hot seat, I would say if the Browns go in here and you know lay a complete egg, uh, you could almost write it out of books that Hugh will probably be gone on Monday. So when you look at this game, Jack, how important is it to Hugh Jackson and how important is it to the, the rest of the Browns uh, and, and the rest of the Browns season on Sunday? I think it's very important for both the Browns as well as Hugh Jackson. I mean, when you look at the Browns right now, they're 2-4-1. and one, And when you look at their schedule for the next nine games, it's really hard to see victories. And it, you know, it's crazy to say that just because of how competitive the team's been. But when you go down the line, you know, after this week, they play Kansas City. Then they play Atlanta. Then after the bye week, they play Cincinnati twice, Baltimore, um, Houston, and Carolina. So it's, it's going to be very difficult for the Browns to get wins. Obviously, if their defense performs up to par, then they'll be in the thick of games just like they've been through the first seven. Um, and then you look at Hugh Jackson, like you said, if the Browns come out and lay a giant egg in Pittsburgh, Hugh can end up just like many other coaches before him where you know that long drive back from Pittsburgh to Berea could be the final one. I mean, you look at it. Mangini got fired after a road game in Pittsburgh I think Cornell did I know Chud and um Petten was at home but you know Hugh Jackson could end up just like the rest of them so um you know it's up to him to have a come out and have a strong effort not just him but the entire coaching staff he's got to lead these guys in like they're going to war and they need to come back with a win or at least be in a competitive game again or Hugh Jackson could be sent packing um, 
you know, the, the Steelers won't have Le'Veon Bell. He still hasn't reported to the team. He hasn't signed his franchise tender yet. But not having Le'Veon has really not been a problem for Pittsburgh this season. Uh, James Conner um, has led the rushing attack for Pittsburgh. He's on pace for 1,200 yards and, 18, and 19 touchdowns. And we saw uh, how he was able to dice up the Browns' defense in week one, and he's continued to do that throughout the NFL season so far. Obviously, we know the talent that Le'Veon Bell is, but has the Pittsburgh Steelers really missed Le'Veon at this point? I, I don't think so. I think James Conner um, has come in and blown everybody's expectations away. You know, I thought he was a solid running back, but he's pretty much come in through these first six games for Pittsburgh and has duplicated the stats that Le'Veon Bell put up last year for the first six games. I mean, not just as a runner, but you look, Connor's got 26 catches for 257 yards. I mean, he's he's kind of matching him in terms of production as a all-purpose back. So, you know, I'm sure they miss Le'Veon Bell because he does certain things, but from my understanding is the offensive line don't miss him because they don't have to block the way Le'Veon Bell likes him to block. I think, you know, Connor adapts to them as much as they would adapt to the runner running back. So Connor's looked great. And, you know, whenever Bell comes back, I obviously Bell's going to want his touches because he's going to want to prove to everybody that he's still one of the best running backs, one of the best players in the league. And obviously he's going to be auditioning for that big multi-year contract he's looking to get in the offseason. Now, the Browns have had a real tough time guarding the run the last few weeks. You know, you go back to the, the Chargers game and, and Melvin Gordon and what he was able to do against the Browns. How worried are you with, you know, Joe Schober being out and other guys missing on defense, what Pittsburgh will be able to do on the ground this week? Oh, I'm very worried. I mean, you go all the way back to week one, what he was able to do against Cleveland. You know, he had 31 carries for 135 yards in that tie, and he also had two touchdowns. Um, you know, Connor, he's hasn't taken a lot of punishment as a running back this year, but it's clear when he gets the ball, he's going to do damage. And, you know, it's up to the guys up front on that defensive line, especially Miles Garrett and, you know, whoever's going to be that second defensive end, whether it's Chris Smith, whether it's Emmanuel Agba, whether they, you know, throw in another guy like Anthony Zettel. It's up to them guys up front to set the edge and make it a difficult for the offensive line to block and then be able to, get Connor on those outside runs because uh, that seemed to be where he was most effective in week one. Um, you know, obviously we, we know the rushing attack for Pittsburgh and what they've been able to do this season, but they also have two very good receivers and Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, they also have two good tight ends with Jesse James and Vance McDonald. You know, obviously we know what Big Ben has been able to do to the Browns over the years and you know, they have such a a healthy balance of a good running game and a good passing game. And with so many members of our secondary being out, uh, EJ Gaines, um, Mitchell, um, you're going to have to help me out with a couple others. But, you know, the, the Browns' uh, pass defense has taken a, a major hit recently. And when you look at all these guys um, for Pittsburgh, you know, the wide receivers have combined for 82 catches, 939 yards, eight touchdowns. The two tight ends have combined for 37 catches and 548 yards and a touchdown. So 
Big Ben likes to spread it out a lot, and he's not going to go at, at just one guy. All these guys on in the receiving core can hurt the defense, and you know we've seen the Browns have had trouble covering the tight end uh, consistently over the course of the season. So when you look at you know those four main guys um, and the depleted secondary and depleted defense of the Browns, uh, what say you about the, the Browns defense having a, a tough time this week against the Steelers offense? I mean, they had a tough time going back to week one again. You know, that in week one, even though we tied, you know, Antonio Brown had nine catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Schuster had five catches for 119 yards. You know, Jesse James had three catches, 60 yards. I mean, they were able to cause turnovers, and that's what helped us, A, stay in the game, and B, get back in the game. We were down 14 in the fourth quarter, and, you know, the defense created turnovers, and the offense was able to execute and get back in the game. Um, If we can do that again, it's great. It's going to put us in a chance to win. But if we can't do that, it's going to be a long day for the defense. Obviously, like you said, Gaines and Mitchell are out. Um, Demarius Randall's banged up at the moment, but he's expected to play. Um, Denzel Ward had a great first game. I think he picked off Roethlisberger twice. Um, But he also had a tough task going up against Antonio Brown, who's the best receiver in the league. So, you know, if the guys up front can pressure Ben enough, they sacked him four times in the opener, then maybe he'll throw some you know, bad, bad passes and our secondary would be able to, um, make some plays, create some turnovers. But if not, obviously Brown and Schuster, you can argue are both number one wide receivers, even though one has to be number two in the Pittsburgh offense, but they both make big plays. And then obviously with Schobert out, you know, this is a chance for the tight ends who haven't been as effective as the receivers, but they can definitely make some noise against a depleted Browns linebacking core. You know, you, thought, you mentioned Denzel Ward there. He was tasked going up against Antonio Brown in that first game. And, you know, Antonio Brown's touchdown in that first game, Denzel couldn't, couldn't have played any better defense. It was just a good catch from Antonio Brown. You know, when you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, what do you think the game plan is going to be and, and who they put on him and, and try to cover him this week? Uh, it'll be interesting because, obviously, they put Randall down at corner last week with um, – Gaines being out, and I would expect them to do the same this week. And he was okay against Mike Evans. Like, I think Mike Evans had five catches for 60 yards. He obviously didn't make a big play for a touchdown. Um, and Randall was able to hold him effectively. You know, it's tough because Schuster, you know, he's not only big, but he's quick. So you're going to have to match him step for step. And one one slip up and, you know, Schuster, Smith-Schuster had a 67-yard catch against the Browns. He does that this week he might go for a touchdown just because he's so quick. Um, so I would put Randall on him. Obviously you're going to have body Calhoun and peppers back there in the safety spots. And um, you're going to put push them back deep just because, you know, Brown and Schuster can kill you with their speed and they're going to have to cover that up. So thought they did well last week against the Tampa offense. Um, they're going to have to do the same this week against Pittsburgh's. Uh, when you look at the Pittsburgh defense, you know, it's not as dominant as it once was. It's a defense that's getting older. Obviously, they miss Ryan Chazier uh, big time still. And, you know, this defense so far this year is 20th in points allowed, 23rd in yards allowed, and 27th uh, against the pass. 
So, you know, the Browns offense has been struggling recently. They played a little bit better in the second half last week against Tampa Bay. What do you expect from the Browns offense this week in terms of putting things together and trying to move the ball against the Pittsburgh defense? Well, you know, with running the ball, it's going to be tough because Pittsburgh's coming in. They're 11th against the run, which, you know, it's going to be a tough task for Nick Chubb as a rookie. Um, He had a good week last week against the fifth-rated run defense. Granted, Tampa had some injuries, um, but he was more like Carlos Hyde, whereas the game went on, Chubb seemed to get hot running the ball. Hopefully that's the case this week um, against Pittsburgh. But, you know, this is a good game for Baker. He's obviously going up against a pass defense that's not that good. You know, Joe Hayden, Artie Burns, Morgan Burnett, Terrell Edmonds, you know, that's a secondary that's got a lot of uh, experience. And then obviously Edmonds was the first round pick, which some people are still saying it's a reach. But, you know, the biggest thing for Baker, he's going to have to get the ball out quickly because when you look at the Steelers front seven, obviously it's led by TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward, who have eight and a half sacks combined. Not to mention you have to worry about Bud Dupree, Javon Haygrave. Hargrave, Jonathan Bostic, Vince Williams, Stephon Tuitt, and even former Browns linebacker LJ Fort. There's a lot of talent up in the front seven, and they're going to try to wreak havoc on Baker from the start of the game. And we know Baker's taken a lot of sacks already in his short amount of time. So Baker's biggest thing is if he can get the ball out quickly and these Browns receivers can, you know, put some moves on that Steelers secondary, they can have a big day in the pass attack. But if Baker holds onto the ball, there's the Steelers defense is going to rack up a lot of sacks and it's going to be a long day for the rookie. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously Baker didn't play in the first game against Pittsburgh. And, you know, we've seen in recent years how rookie quarterbacks have not really fared well against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, that, that defense has always been tough. They're always tough against rookies and obviously going into Heinz field for the first time, Baker Mayfield is up for a huge challenge and, uh, it's something that obviously is going to determine this game. Um, but what do you, let's talk about the running game a little bit more. Obviously, you know Nick Chubb is the guy now. But you know last week they they, did, they traded away Carlos Hyde. But before that, during that game, Duke Johnson still only got five total touches. He had four on the ground, one through the air. When you look at um, the, the frustration of many Browns fans throughout the course of the season, you know, it, it has been, let's get Duke more involved. You've heard Hugh Jackson immediately. we got to get him more touches. Uh, I couldn't tell you how many times he said that this year. But when you look at Duke Johnson, uh, he is obviously probably the, the most versatile player on this offense. And, you know, he hasn't gotten as many touches as he needs. So, this game plan this week, I would imagine it has to include Duke Johnson a lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when you look at him, obviously, like I said, the Pats defense, Pittsburgh is struggling. So I would utilize Duke as a wide receiver, and he's been effective against Pittsburgh in the receiving game. Um, in seven matchups, four out of the seven, he's had at least three catches. Um, last year in the season finale, he had – a touchdown running the ball. And then he also had six catches for 75 yards in a losing effort. Um, you know, and Hugh Jackson once said once again, that we want to get Duke Johnson, the football Well, quit saying it and actually utilize him. I know Todd Haley might have something different in mind, but 
you know, you have Duke, who has been a playmaker since the day he walked into the league as a third-round pick back in 2015. He's had at least 53 catches in his first three seasons. This year, it's he's on pace to this will be his worst year receiving. You know, you have a playmaker. Why don't you utilize that playmaker? Obviously, we've been saying that, you know, Baker needs guys that he can depend on in the passing game. Outside of Jarvis Landry, I think Duke Johnson's that guy, and it's time to start using him. Obviously, I'm sure Duke's frustrated, but he said he wants to be here in Cleveland. Um, but I think it's time that you need to utilize him in the passing game because until Callaway proves it, until Najoku proves it consistently, or until one of these young guys like Ratley or when or Ratley or maybe even a Damari Scott, if he gets an opportunity, th- until they prove otherwise. Why not utilize Duke Johnson? Is it hard for them to get Duke Johnson involved in the passing game because him and Jarvis Landry are kind of similar players uh, when it comes to, to being a receiver? Yeah, I would I would say so to a degree. I mean, I think Duke could be more of a threat downfield than Jarvis is. Obviously, Jarvis Landry is a possession receiver, you know. But when Duke gets the ball. He gets out in the open space, you know, he can make guys miss. He's not a speed back. He's more he's more elusive than he is fast. And he can make guys miss. He can juke. He can, you know, do a spin move. He can also cut and just make a defender miss like that. I think, you know, that's the good thing about Duke Johnson. So I think they are a similar degree just because they both are reliable when it comes to catching the ball. But I just think that Duke is more elusive than Jarvis Landry would be once he has the ball in his hands. Um, when you look at the Steelers' secondary, obviously back there is a familiar face with Joe Hayden. Uh, for some reason, he's still being mentioned as a lockdown corner, but uh, he's ranked as a 56th-ranked cornerback by Pro Football Focus. Um, you know, I think, as, as we've seen him over the last couple of years, he's not uh, much of a, a corner anymore. He's, he's had a really tough time defending guys. Uh, he was on KNR Friday morning. Uh, he took a shot at Sashi Brown. Uh, and the Browns, um, you obviously heard this more than I did. So if you want to elaborate on what was said and whatnot. Yeah, um, Hayden was on with Rizzo and Goldhammer. And, you know, I didn't hear it, but I can just see the quotes. And, you know, that tells me all I need to know. You know, they asked Hayden what the difference was between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And Hayden said, here we get better towards the end of the year, referring to Pittsburgh. And then... Obviously, he's he ref, went ahead and took a shot at Sashi Brown when he, he said he thought he'd spend his whole career at the Browns. And he goes, if a different GM had been there, he goes, I'd still be in Cleveland. And, you know, with Joe, first of all, the lockdown corner statement, that was made by Aditi Kinkobala earlier this week on Ken Carmen, the Ken Carmen show. And I thought, well, I haven't been following Pittsburgh. Maybe she's right. Then you go look at the numbers and you look at his PFF ranking and it obviously tells another story. Um, You know, with Hayden, I didn't uh, disapprove what Sashi Brown did last year. You know, you looked at Joe. He was being paid like a top 10 corner, but with injuries and a declining performance, he was not living up to the contract. So I don't blame Sashi for a asking him to take a pay cut. But then when Hayden didn't take the pay cut, they went ahead and released him. I know a lot of people miss Joe just because, you know, he embraced the city was, you know, a diehard Cavs fan. And, you know, 
he played, he had some good years here in Cleveland. He also, the last few years, wasn't that good. Then he went to Pittsburgh and, you know, he did play well at times, but he was also hurt most of the last year. Once again, this year he's playing well, but it's only a matter of time probably when Joe Hayden gets hurt again. Um, I don't understand why he needs to take shots at the Browns, you know, for saying, oh, well, Pittsburgh, we get better. Cleveland, we got worse. You were part of that problem, Joe. And then, you know, he can take shots at Sashi Brown, and I'm sure a lot of people will agree or disagree with that. But at the end of the day, Joe was declining, and the Browns and Sashi Brown did what was best for the organization and for the future of the organization. All right. The time has come for uh, us to give our predictions. Um, for this game, we are both 3 3 and 1. So, Jack, if you want to go ahead and give your uh, prediction for the Browns and Steelers this week. It's going to be tough for me to do this, but I'm going to go with Pittsburgh just because of the injuries on the defensive side of the ball for Cleveland. Um, I think Ben and that off and that Steelers offense will attack that. Um, I do think it'll be close. I think the defense will make some plays just like they have all season to keep it close, but at the end of the day, Ben will make more plays than Baker to put his team in a position to win. I'll go Steelers 31, the Browns 20. I agree with you. It's going to be hard for me to do this, but you know, that, that team to, to the southeast of us uh, is going to, to win this football game this week. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be um, a, a very rough game for this Browns offense, a very rough game for this Browns defense. So I'm getting, going to go uh, Pittsburgh 34, uh, Browns 16. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a blowout. And I don't know if it's going to be the end of Hugh Jackson, but I am willing to bet uh, come Monday uh, things might be a, a little bit different around here. Um, Jack, is there anything else you want to discuss before we get on out of here? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. And go ahead and uh, give a shout out to everything you got going on. As always, follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle. Check out my site, thenorthcoastsports.com, for all the latest on Cleveland sports. And also check out the podcast myself and Anthony do, the North Coast Sportscast. We are on Twitter at NC Sportscast, and we are available on all podcast platforms. Uh, as always, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Anthony Jokey, J-O-K-I. You can find our podcast on Twitter and on Facebook at 1085Gridiron. Uh, you can find our podcast on every single platform that you can pretty much think of, including iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Uh, be sure to su- subscribe, review, and rate our podcast. We'd absolutely appreciate it. And with all that, we will talk to you guys early next week. And always remember this, Go Browns! Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.